Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors, manufacturing in upstate New York, Golden Acrylics, Williamsburg Oils, and more recently, Core Watercolors, an employee-owned company committed to producing the highest quality materials while maintaining a culture of stewardship and community involvement. I've been using Golden for over 20 years, and I swear by it. For more information about Golden Artist Colors, visit them online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The legendary New York Studio School marathons are immersive courses that emphasize experimental learning and expand the boundaries of what drawing, painting, and sculpture can be. Fall marathons take place September 8th to the 18th, Artists can choose to participate in person or register for the virtual drawing marathon with Dean Graham Nixon and guests to join from anywhere in the world. Apply online today at nyss.org or email info at nyss.org or follow the school on Instagram at ny underscore studio school. Camilla Engström is an artist born in Arevo, Sweden, who lives and works in Los Angeles. She's had shows at Over the Influence in Los Angeles and Hong Kong, Hilda Gallery, The Cooler Gallery, and Delhi Gallery, just to name a few. She's been covered in The Cut, Nylon, and The Huffington Post, amongst other publications. I spoke to Camilla from Los Angeles for a talk about her Swedish Chinese roots, making a move to the U.S. that wasn't her plan A, her move from studying fashion to painting, and much more. Here's our conversation. So where are you now? Now I'm in LA, in Silver Lake. Silver Lake. Yeah, I just moved to my own place. I was like quarantining with um, a friend for months. Um, Mm -hmm. I think... I didn't think I was leaving LA. I, I just didn't have a clear plan, really, of what I wanted to do. So I kind of just stay with her for a long time, and then finally I was just like, I'm, I should just commit and like settle down and find a place. So you got your own apartment. I got my own apartment. Like I've been living in sublets ever since I moved from um, New York. So I like never like got my own bed. Like I always wanted to. <laughs> like I wanted to be able to like leave whenever I wanted to like I don't like feeling stuck anywhere um but I think my next chapter is to just commit to places and really like try to live there so it's good it's good so far um yes I have a bed now a couch kitchen table you're all set up do you so you have a studio space away from where you live yeah, my studio space is uh, downtown. How far of it? I mean, I guess that's the next question. <laughs> In California, how far the commute is, right? Um, it's like a 15-minute drive. That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. It's Yeah, it's super easy to get to. It's just like um, not the most peaceful place to work at. Um yeah, I'm like trying to figure out how I feel about it because 
yeah, it's like there are a lot of homeless people in in LA and it's really a, a huge problem and they're like and I see it every day and it's like yeah I'm like it's very hard to not be disturbed by it um yeah it's really messed up but yeah I mean here it's gotten really you know noticeably I mean there's you know there's homeless people but like in after the pandemic hit there's more and more people on the streets and like just like the commute that I go to take my son to soccer every day is like we go under the BQE, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. And there's just like so many people living under there. It's, it's really sad. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, there are definitely way more tents on my street now. I mean, it was kind of strange during the when it was like when we were in like full lockdown because we would take turns to go in. Um which was frustrating because I also just wanted to paint and like do my thing. But, um, but now we're all in there and like we're all wearing masks and fine, like sharing the bathroom and stuff. But yeah, we just tried to be careful and like not bring people in too often. Well, so, well, before we get into like total LA talk and where you are now, how about, how about where you grew up? Cause I don't know that much about where you grew up and, I don't think anyone does. Um, I grew up in a small town uh, called Örebro. It's like in the middle of Sweden. Um, it's not the smallest town, but like it, it is, I mean, compared to anything in this country, it's a small town. Um, so yeah, I grew up there um, with my brother and my grandpa and my parents, and then they separated and my mom moved to Stockholm, and I didn't want to move. Um, I don't think anyone wanted to move, so we didn't. Yeah, I guess my parents didn't really know what to do about like my mom moving and the kids not wanting to move. Um, but then finally, when I was like ten, we moved to Stockholm. But I think before that, like, like I had like a great childhood like even though my parents were divorced like I grew up in the best town like I had like five friends that I saw every day and my dad would just like I don't know he would feed me <laughs> the rest of it was just like hang out with my friends outside yeah were your were your parents creative in what they did for a living no definitely not um my dad I still don't know what he does. Like, he works with computers. Um, I don't know. Numbers. He studied math. He does, like, analytics. Anything, like, I, I just don't get it. Like, he tries to explain it to me. And I think I really, like, next time I see him, I actually just have to sit down and be like, hey, like, I actually want to understand what you do for a living. Because, like, <laughs> it's been so many years and I never, like understood it but um my mom she always worked um at restaurants and now she has her own restaurant uh, but yeah she's like she's really tough just like classic like restaurant personality like she doesn't sleep or she's, like she's <laughs> yeah she's always working she doesn't drink that much anymore but like she smokes like she's always like 
she just can't relax. She's she's living hard. Yeah, she's yeah, and she's from China, so like she grew up during Mao and like had a horrible childhood. So and but so she always taught like she always told me that I had to like be independent, to never to always make my own money, um, to not have kids, which now pretty recently she took back, but. Um, but yeah, she just always like she was like, "Don't learn how to cook because the man is gonna put you in the kitchen." Um, yeah. And she was a cook, so. Yeah, I don't know, but that she's like that doesn't apply to her. Like she doesn't. <laughs> she's just like, don't do what I did. Right, do what right, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't make the mistakes I did. My parents always say that. Don't do what I do. Even parents who I feel like a lot of times parents who are in creative fields and they're successful, you know, like a famous actor or something will tell their kids like, don't be an actor or an yeah. athlete will be like, don't do this. This is not, you know, sustainable or whatever. as if anything else is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Like, I don't know if I had kids, but I guess I would be encouraging. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, so my grandfather who I grew up with, um, cause he lived so close by and, and like, he really wanted, um, to be close to his grandchildren. He was, um, an artist and a writer and a journalist. So I think he like very early on, um, inspired me to draw and paint and to like express myself creatively. Um, I think he just like really picked up that that was something I liked to do, whereas like, my parents because they don't know anything about it so they like couldn't they yeah just couldn't help me or inspire me um but my parents like if I told my dad that I wanted to like play an instrument or take classes he would always um like drive me there and stuff so he was always supportive but he would never like um I don't know he always just let me decide and figure out what I wanted to do which was hard because sometimes you know when you're a kid I was like yeah my friend played the piano okay I want to try it uh but then it's not really my thing whereas like I think my grandfather like really um could tell like the specific things that I were really into so he was like yeah he always told me he was like you're gonna be an artist one day and I was like get out of here it's like I don't want to do that like that like I just didn't understand the concept at all um so I thought I wanted to work in fashion uh because that still felt creative but also like cool (laughs) um anyway so um but then my grandfather passed and I like when I right when we moved to Stockholm so I kind of like um I don't know. I was very confused about what I wanted to do. But thank goodness you had like him to sort of support you in that way early on, right? Because he at least found, laid the foundation of seeing that within you, you know? Yeah, I think like, and I hear that a lot, that sometimes it just takes one person. It could be like a teacher or like a friend's parent or an aunt or someone that just like sees you. And I think my grandfather actually saw like fully saw me whereas my parents like didn't really (laughs) but I love them but yeah 
Well, it sounds like they were so busy just trying to, you know, do their jobs and like it was slightly chaotic that maybe it was in a way easier for your grandfather to come in and see that because it's almost like that that kind of uh, parallel of it's a joke of like parents, like being a grandparent is so great because you don't have to deal with the cooking, the cleaning, the getting them to sleep or any of that stuff. You just come in and you get to hang out and have fun and then you leave. (laughs) I think like my, my parents were just trying to survive like financially and be able to pay the bills like, and make sure that we went to school every day. That was like their priorities. Um, Yeah. And I think they did that very well because I did, I did go to school. Yeah. Well, uh, growing up linguistically, did you learn Swedish and like Mandarin or Cantonese? Um, oh, yeah. Well, I spoke uh, Mandarin with my mom growing up. Um, but now, I don't know. I kind of lost it a little bit because I... When I moved to the U.S., I had to take, like, a language test, and I don't know. I think English kind of replaced Mandarin for me. Um, I'm super happy that I'm comfortable speaking English now. I think it's, like, such a useful language. Um, But I do, yeah. I mean, there is a part of me that's like, oh, I just want to, like, go back to China and, like, just learn Mandarin so I can talk to my mom better. Um, Yeah. Well, you probably, even if it's rusted over at this point a bit, you have the foundations there too, probably with, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere. I think I just need to like, um, yeah, freshen up. I mean, when I go to Sweden and I talk to her, she'll speak Chinese and I'll answer in Swedish. Um, so yeah, but it's like, it's still like, I forget a lot of words. Um, and then, and I guess she'll like, she's very patient, but sometimes she'll just like try to say it in Swedish. Well, so what, so you guys moved to Stockholm and then, and your dad was still where you grew up, right? So what happened? Like, like, how was high school? Like, were you creative then? I mean, obviously you were talking about maybe fashion or thinking about something that's cool but maybe employable or something that's an actual job not yeah yeah I always um yeah I wanted to make sure that I was gonna have an a a real job and um like somewhat of like a corporate job so um yeah in high school I took art classes um to kind of like prepare me to get into fashion and then I went to China after high school for a year. Um, I did a little bit of modeling there and I studied a little bit Chinese and I took some like sewing classes and, um, and then I started to apply to fashion schools from China. So I applied to, um, cause I, back then, like I really didn't like the idea of us like i never thought about vacationing here or going to school here so i applied only to schools in sweden belgium and london and i didn't get into any of them um so i had a friend from new york who told me about a school called fit in 
Um, anyway, but I applied because I just didn't want to like be around my mom because she would have, yeah, she would have probably freaked out knowing that I was like in Sweden doing nothing or just working. Um, anyway, so yeah, I applied, I got in and then I left. I had never been to the US. I, I remember I landed in Newark and I was just like, this is the ugliest place I've ever been to. I was like so yeah, that's a rough first landing. I was spot. mortified. Cuz like I'm used to China. I'm used to a lot of people and like dirty like I'm I'm fine with that, but that was just like I just didn't think that it would be that ugly. Newark is a special kind of depressing. Yeah. But yeah, so I I was um yeah, I mean, I lived in New York for seven years, and I never really liked it. Um, but right, did you were you speaking English before you got to New York? Uh, yeah. Um, I I was okay at it. When I took the language test in Sweden, I did pretty well. Like I was shocked actually how well I did. Um, but when I talked to my friends, like about like my first six months or to a year in, in New York, they were like, yeah, you were kind of hard to like understand sometimes. Or like I would like have to talk to my professor and I would like prepare for like 10 minutes, like what to ask her. Cause I would be so nervous to speak. And like when we like, if she, if I had like one class where we had to like follow steps like making like a suit or something like taking notes was like oh my god like trying to keep up um but I'm yeah I'm really happy I went to school here I mean I really because I was just forced to learn English like super fast yeah well immersion's like the best way right the best way to learn something yeah totally so you went to FIT how was that I mean, were you taking more than just fashion classes? Were you taking, because uh, I have a friend who teaches there and I know that, you know, they have art classes there too. Yeah, I took some art classes. Um, and what else? Yeah. Um, it wasn't, I mean, it was mostly sewing and, uh, but yeah, I took some art classes, but not thinking that I, I would do anything with it, just like as an escape. Right. You were still in you were still in fashion mode, right? Full fashion mode. You were going to be a designer. Yeah, I was going to be a creative director somewhere <laughs> in Europe. Uh, so I continued like applying for schools in uh, in Europe. So I was like, this is just like, I don't know. I, I was just like, oh, I'll be in New York for six months, then I'll get into my favorite school and I'm, I'll be out of here. And I like, so I was just like. Not even, yeah, I was, like, not fully committed to New York, really, because I just thought I would I would leave very soon. But wait, when did, so you said you loved Bushwick, which is, you know, I mean, when did, how did the transition happen? Slowly over time, or did you just, I mean, you didn't escape right away. Uh, no, I mean, love is a strong word, I guess. <laughs> but, but, um... Yeah, I think I, like, slowly just got used to it. And then I really like upstate New York. I mean, I don't know. There were just, like, ways to um, 
I don't know, deal with it, I guess. And then, um, yeah, my boyfriend at the time had a studio in Brooklyn. So I would go with him and, like, assist him. Um, and he was a painter. Or is a painter. I don't know what he's up to, but I think so. Um, and he went to Yale. So he was, like, very, like, cla- like classic artist kind of dude. Um, so I would assist him. And I think, like, I really liked that he believed in my talent enough to, like, help him on paintings and stuff. Um, even though my style was, like, very different from his. Um, but I think, like, and then I assisted another artist after that. I don't know why I even did that. I guess I was just curious or bored or... <laughs> well, I guess with your, if your boyfriend is that introduced you to that, right? That, I don't want to say opportunity, but <laughs> that, you know, you were hanging out with a guy who was an artist, so you were in the studio. Yeah. And I love that he um, was his own boss. Um, don't we all don't we all isn't that the allure (laughs) yeah and and yeah like I don't know it just seemed very exciting like I remember like going to his mom's house and she had a painting up that he made and I was like that's nice like I don't know I just like I want my parents to have a painting on their walls like something that I made um do they did you did you make it happen uh, my mom, well, sometimes I leave small paintings behind and I think they don't really know what to do with them, but my mom put one on top of her TV. Like she didn't even hang it. It's just like, just leaned it there. <laughs> that counts though. That counts. Yeah. No, I think she's proud. And then, um, my dad sometimes just make him a painting and, leave it after like I'll make it in Stockholm when I visit him and then just leave it and then he'll be like that's such a beautiful paint it's almost like putting a drawing up on your refrigerator <laughs> like, I think my dad loves it but he's yeah I don't know I would love to get, to give my dad like a bigger painting but I think he needs to express that he actually wants that in his house especially for the commitment of shipping a big painting over there yeah, I would probably make it in Stockholm, but it, I oh, would okay. have to, like, rent a studio, I think. Dad's got to earn that painting. I know. Well, he already, he always, like, get me, like, yummy food and stuff when I come to Sweden. Like, he spoils me so much. Then now, was the house, I, this is a t- tangent, because we're on this whole path of you coming to the U.S. and stuff, but growing up, did you have, like, this really nice mix of, like, Swedish food and Chinese food? Uh, yeah, definitely. I grew up on both. And my dad, like, I think after being married to my mother, like, he loves to cook Chinese food still, uh, even though it doesn't taste as good as mom's food. Like, he still tries. He'll make, like, a few dishes uh whenever he feels like it um but yeah it was I would say I'm mo- probably mostly ate Chinese food um because my also because of my mom's restaurant and it's a Chinese restaurant like we will go and pick up food after school or she will drop it off um 
yeah. Sorry. Okay. That was a, I just couldn't, I, I'm imagining that's a really good food household. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, now, cause I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me. And I think for the first time I'm seeing how the food has like influenced someone in the family. Um, and I think my sister's like, she's so into food. She's, not a snob, but sometimes I'm like, hmm, we'll see what she's like. I can see her being like a food critic or something. Like she just, yeah, she loves food. Uh, and like when we go to my mom's restaurant, she like always goes into the kitchen, like whip something together. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I don't like it. I don't know where that came from. But um, yeah, she's pretty confident. Okay, so getting back to you in New York and blazing a trail through FIT and becoming the next mega designer, <laughs> how did that go? Like, what, what do you know? Did you graduate FIT in fashion and what was the plan? No, I was like, I, I get bored really, really easily. So if I don't respect like the teachers or my classmates, like, I can't be there. Like, I knew if I had gone to, like, Central St. Martin's, I would have been, like, sweating every day, wanting to perform, like, so bad, and, like, probably been, like, so impressed by my professors. Yeah, I was very uninspired, very bitter, because it was expensive, too. And in Sweden, school is free, so I was just, like, I went there because I couldn't get in anywhere else, so... Um, yeah, I was, I was just like, well, what can I do to just get out of here and like start working? Like I, I, for me, like, I'd rather work my way up and like start as an intern somewhere. So I did that. Um, I interned, um, oh yeah, everywhere, <laughs> not, not everywhere, but I was like Calvin Klein runway. Um, and then I worked a little bit at J crew I don't know I I and like I and then I worked at a small studio that did like um like uh performance like they what did, they made like clothes for RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff like that it was like yeah it was uh it was uh interesting I mean a lot of glitter and sequins and I don't know it was great but it was also just like yeah, I don't know. I didn't fit in. Um, but so I think I, I tried it. I tried to work in fashion. I really, and I, and I realized pretty quickly that like, I don't want to climb a ladder because that's going to take years. And people like in Sweden, you get like four weeks vacation in the U S I don't know what it is. Like a week? Yeah, the fashion industry is very... My, wi- my wife works in fashion and she just had a two-week vacation and I don't think she had a day where she wasn't working at some point, you know, doing something. Yeah, it's so weird. It's just, it's, it's very intense. But it's a blessing that you seem to have a gene where if you're not into it, you just pull the ripcord and you're out. Whereas some people will just say... Well, I went to school, you know, I came here, I'm just gonna, or fashion's the thing that I'm invested my 
up to this point, so I better just stick it out. I mean, it's, it's probably really a good thing that you're able to just say, okay, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from because it's definitely it's not maybe a little bit my mom, but I I don't know. My dad is like that, but it's not like he changed. He would like work for one company and then get really bored and then quit his job without like a plan. So he would be like, "Okay, it's going to be we're going to have to like eat cheap <laughs> now for 3 months." Or well, whatever. That kind of that kind of leads by example in the sense of like if you're not into something, you find a way to you know to turn the corner, but you don't not turn the corner. You don't you know what I mean because you're worried that you won't have a paycheck or something. It's just like get yourself out of a situation you don't like and figure out a way to make it happen, whatever that is. Yeah, I guess yeah. My dad always figured it out, but I remember as a kid, I I was like. That is, this is gonna be stressful, and I'd be like, "Dad, why did you leave your job?" And he was like, "It's like, yeah, I don't, I didn't like, like they're mostly guys that work, and they all talked about cars all the time. Like, I'm not interested in cars. I'm like, what? Like, that's the reason. That's why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he just gave me like the mild like kids version. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I tr- I tried, I tried to work in fashion. I really didn't see a future in it um but i didn't give up the idea um but i started to work in a in a vintage store and got um my own website thinking like oh i could still make clothes but it would be like more like artsy pieces and whenever and make i don't know i don't know how what i was thinking i didn't really have a plan i just knew in my in my gut that like I was supposed to like go for it. Um, yeah. Well, how did you find out that the, it was art? Uh, it took me a while, to be honest. Um, I'm like, maybe like I figured it out like last year. <laughs> no, but no, but it took me a long time. Um, I because I did like. I was like embroidering shirts and making like like these like textile pieces and um thinking and sometimes I would like frame them or I make like quilts and stuff. I don't know. I just had I didn't really know. I thought maybe I would be like a textile artist or something. Um and um yeah. So I did that and then I had a studio where I would paint um, these like bad, bad paintings. Um, but I did it. I was committed. It wasn't a basement. I didn't have any windows or anything. It's kind of sad. Um, but I was there like almost every day. Um, it was like, yeah, it was really hard like financially. Because I didn't want to tell my parents what I was up to. Because they would just be like, she's in America with no money. Like, they would have, yeah, they would have freaked out. Um, but why Why paint, though? What drew you to the painting? Well, I guess working with my ex, maybe. Like, yeah. just seeing his studio and his brushes and 
like I did some painting when I was like younger um but I was always like the idea of making like a an oil painting and like finish it that was overwhelming for me when I was younger like I would always start it like I couldn't even like finish a drawing really because I didn't really know what I wanted to draw or anything like that um but well and also like the studio I got there were two other artists there so I guess I was just like fake it till you make it (laughs) I don't know (laughs) like I was just I mean now when I see pictures from like the paintings I did back then is it's just I had no idea what I was doing really I was just like slowly figuring it out but I think because I was there every day I was really committed and I still did like like the textile pieces and stuff um and then I had a studio visit from like a small gallery and I was like I was like yeah I don't know it's like I have a studio like who wants to come to my studio it's like I don't know anyways I had a studio visit and this guy was like went through all my drawings mostly my drawings and he was just like there is something here like he could see it um I don't think he really liked the paintings in there but he could see like my sketches and stuff that I was like onto something um so then I think that maybe like kind of you know throw up my sleeves a little bit more and just like okay like someone has looked at my sketches and believed in them um try so I yeah I was like okay I'll just have to commit more and get better but I was painting with acrylics the whole time um and it wasn't until I switched to oil last year two years ago anyway very recently that my painting suddenly like like now they make sense I think before I was like I don't know what this is or why I made it but now it's like okay I'm it's less about figuring it out and now it's more just like I just I paint what feels right yeah it just feels good now so you just responded really well to the shift in oil oil yeah and also like um yeah I think I just like developed a a technique that feels right for me um and I think also just like being more mature now I think my paintings before I mean they're very like I don't know like an angry teenager made them or something. Well, you know, what's funny. I was thinking about when you were describing that process of like when you started painting and, you know, and finding your voice in it, it sounds like all those things that you did were kind of like what you do in undergraduate school, you know what I mean? But you didn't have that for painting necessarily. So you were just kind of like going through the Like, cause in undergrad usually is when people first really start to find what they do and and to really dive into it but you just you're searching you're trying different materials you're you're trying to find your voice and like I I'm in in graduate I mean undergraduate school I was making just awful painting you know you're just moving through stuff and like nope that didn't work you know (laughs) 
like doing horrible thing after horrible thing, but it's great because you're just searching and you're finding. And then in undergraduate, it's a little more formalized or convenient for you where people start to come to your visit to studio visit, even if you're not really looking for it, asking for it yet, you know, visiting artist comes and comes in and says, what are you doing? This makes no sense. And you're crushed and you got to like build yourself back up or whatever. But you know, it's like undergrad kind of gives you that experience. And, but the nice thing about, or maybe a slightly comforting thing about that is that there's a lot of other people doing it too, but it sounds like you were doing it maybe a little bit more on your own, which I'm sure was a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, um, knowing that like the sooner I would figure my shit out, I like the sooner I would start to make money, you know? So yeah. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, so you put that pressure on it to, you had that pressure financial. I mean, cause it's like New York. I don't know. Like you have to pay rent and stuff, even though it's like, I don't know. I, I was just like really, I don't know. I, I was fortunate that like I could use like Airbnb whenever I need to rent out my place. Um, I don't know. I just hustled. Like now, thinking back, I, I mean, I don't regret anything, but I'm like, man, I was so uncomfortable. Like, it was years of being extremely uncomfortable. I would say, like, this year is a very uncomfortable year, too, <laughs> but for many reasons. But I think finally, like, career wise, I feel like I can, like, sit down and like breathe for a second because for five years like I've just been like knowing that okay maybe one day this shit is gonna make sense uh it's just not happening right now well that's another thing that's hard too is that if you're in New York and you're you're thinking about just making ends meet and paying rent so you can live and have a studio or work and do what you're doing a lot of times people are in school during that point of, of finding themselves. So they have at least a little bit of a buffer of, you know, student loans or whatever it is. They have a little time, but you had that pressure on you like right from the jump. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just don't like schools. I don't know. I I mean, now if, I mean, now if I had like a trial or something, I would just be like, yeah, let's, you're going to go to art school or at least take some classes. Like let's start early. We'll figure it out. It's not going to be like when you're 25 and like wondering what you're doing with your life. And then just like, okay, let's, let's figure it out right now. Like, yeah, it was, I mean, I always less so now, but back then, like I was, everything was like so urgent all the time. I was always like, Okay, I have to figure it out, have to figure it out. Um, so I was just working nonstop. And I think like um, like a lot of the friends I had back then, like when I was still in fashion, like I'm, they're not really around anymore because I think they were just like, what is she doing? Her work is shit. Like this is not going to go anywhere. Like she has lost her mind. I mean, I don't know if that's what they were thinking, but it's like, I think they did. <laughs> right. Well, um, like, but you've worked your way out of that. You're feeling pretty good about, you know, things now. Yeah. I mean, I was like, 
now I'm so grateful that I I did it. I mean, I was always happy. I mean, not happy maybe, but I knew I had a lot of purpose. Like the moment I quit my job, the moment I got Camilla dash Ingstrom.com because Camilla Ingstrom.com was taken. Like the moment I did that, um, I knew that I was doing something for myself. Um, and that as long as I did that, that I couldn't fail. And I knew that like, if everything just like crumbled, that I could always go back to my parents and like sleep on my mom's couch or something. Like, like I'm lucky that I have parents that love me and have a home where I, I'm invited, you know? So I, I was like, and and they, I, yeah, I would just, like, get a flight ticket and go back to Sweden if I failed. But that day, like, never happened. But, like, knowing that I had that security net in case everything went to shit, um, yeah, that kind of, like, gave me the confidence to keep going. Um, but I think, like, this year, I know that, like, what, no matter what you do, if it's fully, like, your purpose and what you're supposed to be doing you're always gonna figure it out and you're gonna be rewarded at some point even if it takes like 10 20 years at some point you're gonna be rewarded for your hard work and I think like this year being I mean not the pandemic was hard but like I was still offered like a solo show with a gallery that I really really respect and um, it was the first time I like had yeah had a show that sold out and it was like in a great space and just like having that moment and when it happened I was I felt like I had already like practiced in my head like that it would like they someone would come into my studio and be like I'm gonna give you a show that's gonna happen one day and it did so when it happened I was like okay like, I wasn't even, like, because I had practiced, rehearsed it in my head so many times. I think most artists, you know, we kind of do, right? Like, we feel like at some point someone's going to see this stuff and want to show it, hopefully. I mean, if we really felt like that was never a possibility, it, we'd uh, probably a lot fewer people would be trying to do it because there's a lot of people who try to show and they just don't. You know what I mean? For the amount of artists there are in the world, those who actually can continually show and and make work and help live that helps them live off their work you know it's that percentage isn't huge so you gotta have in your mind you have to set yourself up for like this could happen yeah yeah you have to be crazy do you feel like not to go off to the side again but do you feel like the fact that you have moved around a lot like i'm really interested when people who you know, grow up and they move around a lot or they're from a family of people who are from different places, like what home means to them. And like, do you feel like, it sounds like when you moved to New York, it was like, all right, this is a pit stop. I'm going back to Europe. And then like now you're in LA. I wonder like, how do you feel about the idea? And maybe it is kind of like maybe home for you is deep down like, you know, mom's place or dad's couch or whatever it is. But how do you feel about home and where you are? Because right now you're sort of, you know, you're living somewhere, like you've moved around, your your parents are in different places. You know, how does that, how does home feel to you? Home is definitely my dad's apartment. 
Right. Like when I think about like going home, that's like my dad's house. Um, or yeah. Um, or my mom's house, but mostly my dad's house. Cause he's a little bit more chill. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's kind of, I feel like it's like, um, like, a con- like if I have like a con, I have a constant feeling of like not feeling at home. Like that's like, it's like a chronic and like if yeah, I had like maybe like one like really good meditation where I was like, I am home. Like I don't know, <laughs> it's so dramatic, but like you know, um, but really it is. And and my family is nuts, but like I love my family. So whenever like I'm with them, like my like I sleep so well. Like when I'm in Sweden, like my family is around, I know where everyone is, um, and that's when I feel at home, but work-wise, career-wise, I don't really feel at home there, so it's tricky, um, I don't really know where I'm gonna land, actually, but I think that's, like, um, yeah, I'm very curious, like, sometimes I'm, like, oh, I should probably, like, talk to a therapist and figure out, like, what home is, (laughs) But I think, I think, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll figure it out at some point. Um, cause like, even though I could move back to Sweden and like live very close to my parents, like, I don't know if that's, if I would feel at home there. Cause I want to get into music now. That's going to be the next thing. You play instruments? Yeah, yeah, I played, like, growing up, I played saxophone, bass, clarinet, and I played guitar and was in bands, and, you know, I I, I played music into after graduate school and, and, you know, toured and stuff, so it was a big part of my, you know, it still is. I mean, I still collaborate with musicians on projects and stuff. It's a huge part of my life, but, um, you know, it it's it's something that I can't separate from music's different than, I mean, it's a lot of this podcast is me talking about music with artists too and, and how it relates to life. And, um, it's just been a lifelong, like super heavy influence on me. Yeah. Well, that's amazing that you have two creative outlets. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, I, I always, when I'm teaching and I talk to students, a lot of times I bring up music as like kind of an analogy for things because I think, it's so close to to making art in a way and it's so far away at the same time like the directness of music is so amazing because it just goes into your ears and you feel it whereas artwork is so coded and it's through visual language which is you know different but there's a lot of great analogies between the two I think and I think most musicians are it obviously they're into artwork they make videos and they make you know they have record art and they have live shows and stuff and most artists or a lot of artists love music and, and sounds and harmony because it's like color, you know. Yeah. No, I love music too. I just wish I could play it. Um, but I'm going to get... Have you tried? Well, I played cello growing up. Um, but I... Th- That's music? <laughs> yeah, but I think I was there was so much pressure around it. Oh, it squashed the fun. Yeah, there was no fun. That's That's the danger of like music lessons when you're a kid is like, squashing the fun out of it yeah and like and not being able to pick your own songs that you want to play and and i never even questioned it i was like oh now we're learning this song and i was like i hate playing this song but i'm supposed to learn it so yeah 
here we go. But Ima- imagine if that was like your art education is like, now you're going to paint this Rembrandt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And get as, get as close to it as possible, but you know, you're not, you're not doing Rembrandt like, and we're not doing, you know, Johann Sebastian Bach. We're not going to be there. Well, I mean, when I took art classes, I remember I was always jealous of this one guy who was like super good at painting like realistic portraits. Like I thought that that meant that you were good. Um, so I was like, I could never be an artist. I mean, look at him. Like, that looks like that person he's painting. Like, I could never do that. Like, I tried to paint self-portraits. Like, it was, I was terrible at it. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm happy that I, I gave it another chance. Yeah, and there's a, you know, since you didn't have to do that, you weren't forced into that, there's a freedom in it. Now, like you are saying, it's... It's something you can choose to do. You put your name on that website. Like you put the, make the images you want to make. And that authorship is really important. I think so many people who don't, like let's say a lot of people in fashion who work for a fashion industry, they feel like it's great. They have a paycheck and they're working or whatever, but they feel constricted because they're making someone else's designs or they're, you know, they're a buyer for this brand and they've got to choose this product or whatever. Whereas with artwork, you do it, you know, you do what you want to do. Yeah, you do whatever you want to do. At least... It's not easy. Too much freedom. <laughs> no. And people think it's so easy, but it's really one of the hardest things is because it's all your decision. Yeah, especially when I don't feel inspired. Because um, then I'm like... And I tend to be very dramatic too. Um, probably as most artists are. But I, yeah, every time I don't feel inspired, I'm like oh my God, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't paint, I can't, I don't know how, yeah, it's like, and the timing of it is always like, the timing is not right to not be inspired right now. It's, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm slowly learning how to like reset. Um, and I think like being in quarantine has really helped me um, just like calm down. Like the first week of like full lockdown, I just slept for a week and I didn't feel guilty like that was the first time like I didn't feel guilty for just like resting because I, w- I was always like well I can sleep when I make this amount of money or like or when I reach this point in my career then I can sleep or like rest without feeling guilty about it um but just knowing that like it's not about that it's about just learning how to like take breaks um yeah. So, yeah, it's super important. Like, I don't, I don't understand people that can only sleep for like four hours, and then work all day. Actually, that I'm guilty of that. That's really? <laughs> yeah. How do you do much. it? You sleep. It's, it's funny. Sleep deprivation is something that you can acclimate to, <laughs> and have having a kid really helps in that process. Actually, I have one friend who's a mom and she can sleep for like five hours and she's like still functioning. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I guess you get used to it. Yeah, it's those nights when they're really, really little when you're up like every three or four hours. It's like torture and you just like learn to adapt to it, you know. And then you have those friends who say, oh, my kid slept through the night since like the first month. And you're like, I don't want to talk to you again. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so what are you working on now? Like now you're back in the studio proper, right? Yeah, I'm actually going to take some time off. I just had a show um, that ended here in L.A. at a gallery uh, over the influence. Um, just ended like uh, two weeks ago, something like that. Um, and then I'm doing a couple of art fairs, some finishing up works for that and then I'm just gonna take September off um and just try to read and rest and um recharge recharge what are you reading um right now well I just got a new book um well I have this book uh, about Frida Kahlo that is so thick that I started. It's in Swedish. I found it a Swedish, um, like it was like a used bookstore, and it was just calling my name. Um, and it has a lot of her letters in it, and it's from when she was like kind of young and annoying. And I love reading those letters because she's just like, like there's like a few letters that she's writing to this poor guy who's like trying to get over her and she's just like playing with his heart being so dramatic um so yeah I want to read that because I feel like that's like a good vacation just like it's a thick book um and it's about an artist I'm really inspired by so yeah I want to know about her young self um and yeah I'm gonna read that and then Probably a few other books that I have lined up. Um, I ordered some used books recently that should be arriving, but I'll, I'll take a picture and share it. <laughs> One other question, too, is would you like to show in Sweden? Yes, and I am next year. Um, yeah, for the first time. Okay, so that's that's next year so i have a show in sweden and i have a show in hong kong well um so why don't you share with people where they can see your work how they can follow what you're doing all things you well i have my own website which i should update with more pictures um but you can follow me on instagram which is camilla mangstrom um and yeah, my gallery over the influence. Uh, they have great pictures from the show up on their website. Very professional pictures. Um, but yeah, it's mostly mostly my Instagram. Um, I I found that I don't know. I was like looking at TikTok and all those other apps, and I'm like, no, Instagram is easy for me. It's like you just upload a picture, and then you have like a whole archive of everything you made. Yeah, it's good for visual people, I think. Not a lot of political talk. You could just kind of like show some stuff and share it. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say Instagram. All right. Well, um, thanks. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great to Zoom meet you. Yeah, it was so nice to meet you, too. Dan Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast at the website, soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can find images on Instagram at soundandvisionpodcast. 
You can find out more about my work at brianalford.net or on Instagram at Alfred Studio. Many thanks to Michael Lovett for the intro, for Evan Marion for the intro-outro music, and also many thanks to Camilla for speaking to me. Uh, you can really support the podcast, help it out by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and a review there. Many thanks to Sound and Vision sponsors, Golden Artist Colors, and the New York Studio School. Don't forget, the New York Studio School has its marathons, which start September 8th to the 18th. You can find out more information by and apply by going to their website, nyss.org, or you can email them, info at nyss.org. You can also follow them on Instagram at ny underscore studio school. Hey, if you're itching to get out and see some art in person, I have a painting in an upcoming group show at Miles McHenry Gallery. The group show is called Do You Think It Needs a Cloud? It opens September 10th up through October 10th. And artists featuring uh, Milton Avery, Sebastian Blank, Tom Marie Dodge, Inga Essenhigh, Helen Frankenthaler, April Gornick, Issa Greensfield Sanders, Joan Mitchell, Robert Motherwell, and Guy and I and others. Uh, it's all about landscape, so check out the show if you're out in Chelsea and you feel like seeing some art in person. Um, I'll also be curating show at Miles McHenry Gallery in November called Sound and Color, so stay tuned for that. And um, you can always find out information on my website for upcoming shows and on milesmchenry.com, which is the gallery that represents me in New York. Thanks again for listening.